struggling with their kids' tantrums and meltdowns and behaviors and not understanding and realizing that, you know, the gummy worm treats that they're giving to their kids to try to appease them is actually making things worse. My guest today is Dr. Elisa Song. And Dr. Song has been a dear friend of mine for quite a few years now. She's the person that I text if I need to know the correct homeopathy for a concussion. She's the person that I turn to on Instagram if there's some new research that comes out about kids and health. She is an incredible holistic pediatrician. She's based out in California. And I always say that's the only reason I'd ever move to California if she could be my family's pediatrician. Dr. Song is a Stanford, NYU, UCSF-trained holistic pediatrician. She founded Whole Family Wellness, an integrative pediatric practice in California. And she also is the founder of Healthy Kids, Happy Kids. That's where you can find her on Instagram, where she is constantly educating and constantly encouraging parents with evidence-based information through all of life's challenges when it comes to keeping our kids healthy. She has taken that conventional pediatric training and added functional medicine, holistic nutrition, homeopathy, acupuncture, herbal medicine, and essential oils. Dr. Song is an incredible thought leader in her industry, and she is constantly pulling together groups of people and lifting them up and helping them also create a world where we can have healthy kids. You have got to check her out. And she has a new book, her first book, coming out in May of 2024. I hope to have her back on the Healthy Parenting Handbook at that time. But for now, definitely follow Dr. Song. And in this episode, we're going to talk about what kids should eat. So we kind of start at the beginning and talk about what's changed in the kid food scene in the last 50 years. We dig into food additives and how those might be affecting kids' behavior, not just their bodies. And then really practical tips for what kids should eat to fuel their bodies and how parents can feed our kids well. I don't want to keep you another minute. Let's jump right into the interview with Dr. Elisa Song. Welcome, Dr. Song. Thanks for coming back. I'm really happy to be back here today. So we're going to talk today about the food our kids in America are eating. And of course, American culture is kind of permeating the world. We're very sorry, rest of the world. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I like to end with the good. So Let's go backward. First, how have kids' diets changed over the last like 50 years? Why do we have to focus on food when we try to talk about kids' health? I mean, food is the heart of our body's foundation, right? Just like you would not build your house on a you know foundation of sand, out of weak construction and straw, right? Think of the three little piggies, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're thinking about our house, our body as our most sturdy houses that we want to build, we need the right ingredients. And it's so important for parents to realize that, you know, many, many adults wouldn't think but to put the most premium level gasoline into their cars. So we want to think about food in the very same way. I mean, your child's body and brain are the most precious, precious commodities you will ever have, (laughs) right? I mean, we want to nurture them and help them thrive on the inside out. And that starts with getting the right ingredients into them. And that, of course, the foundation is food. Now, you know, how has the food industry changed? It has changed dramatically since you and I were children. And it parallels this huge increase in chronic disease in kids. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about when I was a child, and so, you know, if we're thinking, looking back maybe 40, 50, 60 years ago, what did we have introduced into our American culture? We had introduced the TV dinner, 
right? We had introduced the microwave, you know, packaged foods, convenience. It was all about, oh my gosh, the modern mother doesn't need to cook. The modern mother can, you know, throw food into the microwave. You know, the modern mother doesn't need to breastfeed. Look, formula is even better than breast milk, right? So we had all these forces really shifting our beliefs away from power of real home-cooked foods to the power of, you know, the modern world and scientific advances and let's just throw our food into the microwave. I mean, I loved our microwave. I mean, I remember just getting our microwave, putting my face right up to the glass window, <laughs> staring as the food was heated. I mean, can you imagine? I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Whoever put a marshmallow into the microwave and watched it expand, yeah. right? <laughs> totally. I, I mean, it was just so intriguing. And then, you know, to be able to, as a kid, right, put in a package of, you know, rice aroni that plastic package with the rice and put into boiling water. I mean, so we had these packaged foods that really moved us away from eating real foods. And then with those packaged processed foods, we have this huge problem of food additives. The food additive industry is one of the largest growing industries in the world. And what are food additives? We know that food additives have been linked with a higher risk for autoimmune illnesses, something called leaky gut, which many of your listeners, many people listening right now will have heard of but directly, directly contributes to leaky gut, food sensitivities, gut dysregulation. Listen to the poo talk that Katie and I did because we talk about why gut health is so important for the immune system and for the brain, especially for our babies and our children. So these food additives, including sugar and salt, right? Gluten, emulsifiers, which keep all those packaged foods together and keep them from breaking apart. Artificial colors, and preservatives and flavors, you know, all of those have really changed our taste buds, right? Changed what we crave as kids and adults, changed our idea of what tastes good in our palate and in our tongue, and also changed the way our brain works and our immune system works and our gut works. So that's a huge, huge concern of mine. And then glyphosate. What's glyphosate? It's Roundup, right? It's a pesticide. And with that goes hand in hand genetically modified foods, right? Because genetically modified foods were created to be resistant to Roundup so that you could spray your crops, kill all the weeds, but you're not going to kill the food. Well, what most people don't realize is that glyphosate, when it was first developed, was patented as an antibiotic. So what does glyphosate do? Anytime that you eat foods that are not organic, you are getting, unfortunately, a little hit of glyphosate or Roundup that's directly contributing to killing off some of the good bugs in your gut, contributing to gut dysregulation, something called gut dysbiosis, that leaky gut, which becomes this vicious cycle, which then can turn up as any chronic disease in you or your kids, right? With this epidemic of eczema and asthma and autism and ADHD and anxiety. So we want to really focus on moving away towards GMO foods and away towards sprayed foods, those things, the packaged processed foods, the food additives and the pesticides around up are three of the biggest factors in why our standard American diet has really contributed to really a lower quality of health for our kids. That was supposed to be the easy intro question, Dr. Sung. <laughs> I don't know if I like your answer. <laughs> I know. I mean, it is, that is kind of the bad, right? The ugly. And, you know, we're yeah. going to get to the good because there is a lot of good. But it's understanding, you know, I always tell parents, knowledge is power. And some of that, you know, can be really scary to think, oh, my gosh. But I eat out of packages. And I will say, you know, for me, as a mother of two young kids, working, kids are in school. I mean, I can't say I never use packages for my kids. I would be lying if I did. but. With knowledge, you can look at the ingredient list, look at, have as 
you have zero additives if possible, mm-hmm. right? You know, zero added sugar or really, really low added sugar, organic, so it's pesticide free. So you just go into it in a more wise manner because it's not realistic in this day and age to say, well, every single meal is going to be home cooked. That's not a reality for many families, although we can move towards that, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, we can say, look, if we need to have convenience in our lives, we can have convenience, but have it be healthy convenience. Sure. And we can really think of health as a balanced scale in a way. The more good we put in, the less bad we put in. And of course, on the good side is how robust we can keep our gut health and our immune system. Yep. So you talked about a lot of shifts and I, I picked on your answer, but it was true. I mean, we have had all those shifts. So it was a true answer. It was a great answer. It's just like, oh my goodness, you're right. Yeah. There's all that stuff going on. What do you think is the worst? Like, what is the demon? in sheep's clothing, the worst food that kids are eating right now? I think the worst food is really a category. It's a hidden source of ill health, if you want to call it that. But it's sugar, right? You know, sugar, sugar, sugar. And I'm not just talking about candy, right? Because a lot of parents come to me and say, well, my kids really don't have that much candy. Maybe at the birthday party, they might have some M&Ms or gummy bears. But sugar is so inflammatory. When we think about chronic disease in our kids, and as I mentioned, we have this epidemic of chronic illness where, you know, nowadays over 50% of our kids have some sort of a chronic diagnosis. And if we're headed along the same trajectory by 2025, they say, you know, somewhere up to 80% are going to have some sort of a chronic illness. But we need to know how to stop that, right? We need to know what's contributing. And sugar, it is a food additive. So when we think about added sugar in our foods, it's really important to look at packages. It is rare to find a processed food or packaged food that doesn't have added sugar in it. I mean, if you're making your own spaghetti, you know, marinara sauce at home for your pasta, chances are you're not going to add sugar. Maybe a tiny bit. I don't think it needs sugar because tomatoes have that natural sweetness, right? Especially if you roast them. But if you go to the store and you really look at the ingredients, it is shockingly hard to find a spaghetti sauce that doesn't have added sugar in it. So do that. Just look to see where your kids are getting sugar. And it's not just added sugar. It's in the foods we're eating that even seem healthy for us, like fruit. Fruit is so great. I love fruit. I don't want your kids to not eat fruit. But when we think about eating five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables, it really should be mostly vegetables and fruit considered a dessert, right? Fruits are loaded with fructose, which is a naturally occurring sugar, but too much fructose, right? Think, you know, high fructose corn syrup, right? I mean, fruit isn't as bad as high fructose corn syrup, but that fructose directly affects our liver. And we have so many kids now who aren't obese, but have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because we're getting too much fructose and too much sugar. Because what happens with our convenient world, we're giving our babies fruit pouches. Here you go. Here's a fruit pouch, you know, every few hours, you know, our kids are having those apple, you know, soft squeezies. And we're not eating the whole fruit, you know, that has more fiber in it to slow down how much sugar we're getting. You know, in those pouches, you might get, you know, five servings of fruits in one as opposed to your kid eating one apple, right? So think about that. And also the starches, you know, we've become so grain heavy and grains should make up and starches should make up just a small portion of your plate. I mean, you want to think of your plate as half vegetables, you know, a healthy protein and just a little bit of starch, if at all, right? We don't really have starches at dinner time. Our kids mostly get starches, you know, maybe a sandwich at lunchtime. But I let parents know and kids know when you're eating that white sandwich bread, 
That's sugar. You chew it long enough in your mouth, you know, try it. Chew it for five minutes in your mouth. Get it mushy, mushy, mushy. It tastes sweet, right? I hate my breath. <laughs> oh, that just yeah. me. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? And we think about something called the glycemic index, which is how quickly your blood sugar rises after you eat a food. Do you know what the standard is? Do you know what they measure food against? They measure it against a teaspoon of white sugar or a slice of white bread. Right. Because it causes the same rise in sugar. So if your kids are living on bread, crackers, bagels, pasta, it's converted into sugar in your kid's body. So try to have that balance. You know, why is sugar important? It's, I mentioned the inflammation, but also what it does to the brain. You know, if your kids are having behavioral issues, focus or attention issues, think about the sugar roller coaster that they're probably on where they're eating. Let's say for breakfast, they eat a bagel, right? And maybe a little butter on it. And they're going out the door. They don't have any healthy protein, not a lot of fat in there. Their blood sugar spikes way high, right? And they might be hyper and a little, you know, happy and giddy at school, not focusing that well. And then all of a sudden their insulin, which brings the sugar back down, comes and brings it down, but overshoots. Now their blood sugar is too low and they're grumpy and they're tantruming and they're hiding under the table or they're, you know, ripping apart their papers. And then you think, oh my gosh, they need to eat. So then you give them a quick, you know, a couple of cracker seat, blood sugar spikes up. And they're hyper again and not focused and on and on and on, right? So we want to break that sugar roller coaster by really making sure that we focus on getting in healthy fats and protein every time your kid is eating, whether it's a meal or a snack. That is good to hear. And what's most interesting about that is that in both of those, the high and the low of the sugar roller coaster, kids are not in a good learning no. space. They're not in a good no. learning attitude. And so... You know, we think they need to be fed. They need to have that healthy breakfast of orange juice, a banana and cereal. That's oh, right. my goodness. We need to think about is a banana a bad thing? No. But if you have already stacked a bunch of fructose in mm-hmm. your kids, like let's, you know, just imagine a bottle and they can should only have so much in a day. If you've already stacked a bunch of other fructose or sucrose or anything ending in oats, right? in there, it's all the same when it goes in your body. So eat a banana, but not a banana and orange juice and cereal Mm -hmm. and a bagel next and a granola bar for a snack. You know, it really does stack up. You're hearing you describe that. You know, I was a teacher and I've seen that and I hear about that. My kids come home and they have kids in their class who hide under the table or fall asleep under the table. Fall asleep. Yep. And I don't eat food. I bet, you know, as a teacher, I was just going to say, you know, as a teacher yourself, I bet in the morning you could pick out who had a great balanced breakfast with some protein or healthy fats and which kid either didn't have breakfast, skipped altogether, or ate a breakfast just full of sugary things, right? I probably could now. I didn't think about food back then. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, there was a study looking at just kids, right, elementary school kids, and the kids who had a, you know, healthy breakfast with protein and fat, you know, had much better focus, attention and behavior throughout the whole rest of the day, right? So breakfast really is the most important meal of the day. We don't want to skip breakfast. We really want to focus on making sure that it's nutrient dense if possible. And teachers would do themselves such a huge favor if they understood this. And at lunchtime, you know, instead of sometimes, you know, I've seen in some classrooms where Teachers may have little treats for their kids as rewards, which I don't think food should ever be used as a reward, but inadvertently, you know, have, you know, the graham crackers or what are those, those bunny teddy grams or like little, you know, gummy fruits, even the organic ones, right, as rewards. And then, you know, not understand why those kids are acting up and not paying attention, you know, and not behaving in the way that is appropriate for them and conducive to a healthy classroom. 
Just a super quick interruption. You're a parent, so I know you're used to those. I wanted to make sure that you knew what we do here at Kids Cook Real Food. The name does kind of give it away. We teach kids to cook real food. Yes, here at the Healthy Parenting Handbook, I'm all about building your toolbox as a parent to raise healthy, independent adults. But at Kids Cook Real Food, I'm all about building your child's toolbox of basic cooking skills. We build over 30 basic cooking skills in our e-course for kids ages two to teen. When your kids have a toolbox full of skills, they can make any recipe they come across. This is not about knowing recipes. This is about building a great relationship with food and building the skills they need to access real food their entire lives. Be sure to go to kidscookrealfood.com and grab the freebie we've always got on the homepage. And we need to teach our kids, too, to take some ownership in what they eat. We have a couple standalone video series on healthy breakfasts and healthy snacks. And we actually do that in kind of a Sesame Street style. We talk about fat and protein and fiber and how it's all important and give lots of visual examples. So those would be good, I think, helpful videos Perfect for kids yep. to get this down. Okay, so we're, we've talked about sugar. Sugar is the ugly. Sugar is the worst, but it's hidden in our breads and our starches. It's hidden in our fruit and it all stacks up in the same column. Now, what else is attacking? We get the same child, right? We talk about this balance scale. So if we've got sugar is on this side, what else is attacking that side before those nice leafy greens can balance it out? Yeah, absolutely. The other category of foods that I think if your child is having any, any issues with behavior, attention or focus problems, anxiety, you know, depression, sleep problems, sensory processing issues, then you really, really want to focus and look to see how much food is your child getting that has any artificial colors, preservatives, or flavors, right? You know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, thankfully, and I will say finally, right, because it was a long time coming, really made a policy statement this year, 2018, that, you know, these artificial additives are not good for a kid's health or brain, <laughs> right? I mean, there are studies dating going back, you know, to, you know, the late, you know, probably the 1970s, right? When, you know, Dr. Feingold, who's an allergist here in San Francisco, really identified that some kids are really sensitive to certain preservatives and dyes and flavors that are artificial. And it literally really does poison your child's brain. I wrote a whole blog post on this up on the Healthy Kids, Happy Kids website. In fact, it was one of my first articles I wrote because I feel so strongly about this. Some parents have no, they're struggling with their kids' tantrums and meltdowns and behaviors and not understanding and realizing that, you know, the gummy worm treats that they're giving to their kids to try to appease them is actually making things worse, right? We do our best as parents, but we just need that knowledge and information. And it's so important that, you know, that European Union, you know, this is for decades now, the European Union has required that there be a warning label on all foods with artificial dyes and preservatives that that food might contribute to attention and behavior problems in your child. Right. We don't have those same warning labels here in the States. And in fact, every manufacturer in the state in the European Union has much stricter requirements in what dyes they can use to color mm -hmm. things like, you know, 
M&Ms or other food, lollipops and candies and things like yeah, that. So these big brands have these European recipes and they keep the American ones the other way. That drives me batty. It drives me crazy. I mean, Nestle came out, you know, I think it was now a couple of years ago because Nestle, you know, with their candies has a different plant that uses natural dyes for their products and came out with a, a statement that they were going to shift to natural dyes to their candies here in the States, but it wasn't for health reasons. And they were a little concerned because the American visual preference and taste preference is for these artificial colors. I'm like, well, you know, not if they knew, <laughs> you know, not if there was knowledge there, right? Yeah. It's scary to hear that the knowledge has been in existence for almost 50 years, and yet they're so ubiquitous. The whole time you were talking, I thought the reason parents don't know that this is affecting their kids is because it's in every single bite they take probably so they don't notice an up and down it's just always crazy town how can parents start to avoid this stop doctor song the scary yeah it's really important the first thing if you are relying on you know some packaged foods or you know convenience foods which again as i said i do right i don't live completely packaged in your house but read the labels. Mm-hmm. Have your children read the labels. Get label smart. You know, if you can't pronounce an ingredient, it's probably an ingredient that you don't want in your kid's body mm-hmm. or your body for that matter, right? Because our kids are only going to be as healthy and thriving as we as mamas are healthy and thriving. So we need to make sure that we put the right ingredients into our bodies too. So read the labels and then learn how to cook and eat real food. Have your kids learn how to cook and eat real food. I mean, this is where your program, Kids Cook Real Food Course, is so critically important because once you're invested in cooking and prepping together, that makes the world of difference, right? And you have to make it a family affair so that no one feels like it's a burden or a chore. We want to look at cooking and eating real food as something we're doing because it's so amazing for us, right? Because it serves our family, because it helps us to feel great. It helps our brains work better, right? So it's not a chore. It's not drudgery. It's not, oh man, I wish I could go out to eat. It's like, no, we're eating this real food because it's going to make, I tell my kids, we want to eat foods that make you smarter, faster, and healthier, right? And so, I mean, there are so many other girls, but in their eight and six-year-old brains, that's what matters, right? Yeah. Faster is really important for them, right? Because they want to be super fast when they're running down the field, right? And smarter, they want to feel like they're super smart and they want to be healthy, right? But put into in, you know, kids' terms, because nebulous health doesn't necessarily mean anything, right? But, you know, if they're a violin player, it's like, yeah, then you're going to be able to memorize your pieces so much more easily. If yeah. they're a soccer player, think about how much more accurate and strong your kicks will be if you're actually getting real food into your muscles, right? That is definitely the beginning of the good news. We said we were talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We've done the ugly with sugar. We've done the bad with all the additives. So good news is let's talk to our kids about how food actually makes them feel and can help them meet their goals as children, children's goals, not the parents' goals in their lives. What are, you know, some other things that families can do to build the brains, protect the guts, build a strong immune system through food? Yeah. The first priority is really getting in all of this phytonutrients, right? Those are all the minerals, vitamins, antioxidants we're going to get from that huge rainbow of fruits and vegetables. So really focusing, I mean, some kids are eating healthily, but they're only eating broccoli and snap peas. 
maybe, right? So sure. just work on just one step. Let's just work on one orange vegetable. Your child can choose whether it's a sweet potato or a carrot or butternut squash, right? Get in a little color, right? So, but those colors are really important. They provide such important ingredients for your immune system, for detoxification, for your brain. You can sneak it in if needed, right? You know, you can puree those vegetables and stick it into soup or tomato sauces or whatever sauces you're making, you know, put them into smoothies, you know, kale and well spinach doesn't add that much flavor, you know, one trick that I like is roasting beets and chopping them up and putting them in the freezer and ready to go. If you put beets into smoothies, it gives a really sweet, sweet flavor. And it makes any smoothie that looks really muddy and green look more pink or purple, right? Because sometimes it's the color. You're like, oh, here's this yummy smoothie, but it's brown, <laughs> right? right. So I put beets in a smoothie once and it tasted like dirt. And I vowed to never do it again. But I wonder how I cooked them. This was like 10 years ago. Maybe roasting is the key. Yeah, you have to roast them because raw beets, I mean, they're great fruit, but they definitely taste a little earthy, right? Uh, Earthy. (laughs) That's a better word than dirt. They taste like like dirt, people. Earthy. (laughs) Bone broth, right? Learn how to make bone broth. Just have vats of bone broth. You know, you can freeze bone broth. You can store it in your refrigerator for, you know, a few days to a week, depending how, how often you open your refrigerator. But bone broth has such healing glutamine and collagen and such great nourishing factors. It's really high in protein, great for your gut lining, great for the brain. So getting those in, getting those sources of omega-3 essential fatty acids, which really are, you know, mostly going to be wild fish, right? So trying to incorporate fish into your family's diet. If you don't eat fish, then you can get those omega-3s as a supplement in a fish oil. There's some much more tasty ones than the ones that we remember as kids, like in a spoonful of cod liver oil. Zinc, many, many kids are, are deficient in zinc and you need zinc for healthy immune systems, healthy skin, healthy brain. You know, if your kids are having any sensory issues, whether it's tags on the shirt are bugging them or loud sounds, you can't run a blender because it's too loud for them, get in zinc. And what's one of my favorite ways to get in zinc? ground pumpkin seeds, right? Pumpkin seeds are super high in zinc. You can just ground in a a food processor or blender your pumpkin seeds, throw them into your pancake mix, throw them into your smoothies, right? You know, throw them into whatever you're cooking. That's a natural way to increase zinc. But again, think about if your children have any of those quote sensory issues, right? There's some kids who their socks, they have to buy seamless socks or never wear jeans, only soft clothes. It's likely because they need a little more zinc in their Mm -hmm. diet. Yeah, I've never heard that one. That's yeah, and pumpkin seeds right. are the highest. Okay. Mm-hmm. And eggs. If you're not egg allergic or sensitive, eggs are one of the perfect foods. That yolk is full of cholesterol and choline. Your brain is made up maybe about 50, 60% cholesterol. So you want to get in that good fat into your brain. And the whites are that perfect, you know, complete amino protein source. So, you know, eggs are a great way to start the day. So, you know, trying to get in as much as you can through foods and then supplement if needed. Uh huh. So when my kids ask what's for breakfast tomorrow and we say eggs a lot, we're not just being boring. We're being really, really smart and intentional. Really right. smart and intentional. And it's and right. vegetables. That's my new baby step that I decided. I love we're it. Talking is like I used to be decent at getting some vegetables in breakfast. My husband and I will have vegetables, but the kids don't love them in their eggs. And I yeah. gave up. Naughty me. So we're back. We got to get back to yeah, yeah, sort of our breakfast. Because you're right. I mean, I've written posts on it. You can't hit five to nine a day if you start at lunch or if you start at dinner. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard. So, you know, really trying to work in vegetables at breakfast. You know, what we'll do also, our kids love lox, you know, smoked salmon. So I'll make, you know, some hash brown potatoes. I'll put lox on their plate and then a huge heap of baby spinach leaves. 
sometimes they'll make little spinach lox tacos, right? They'll uh-huh. get a spinach leaf or two. They'll put a little piece of lox and a little piece of hash brown and roll it up and they eat it like a taco. So, you know, creative ways to try to get in vegetables, but you want to think, okay, what can I do at least once or twice a day to get vegetables in? Start with one day a week if your kids aren't eating vegetables mm-hmm. at breakfast and then move into, you know, trying to get it in several times a week. Yeah, very good. And our breakfast series does have vegetables in two out of the four recipes. So, mm. That's good. Some potato pancakes with half vegetables and stuff like that. I love this note of hope. Let's end with a really practical note. Yes. Well, you're a mom of two. You're busy. You have a thriving pediatric practice and an online business. Like if anyone is not sitting down to eat, (laughs) it's you. So what are some practical strategies parents can use to like actually make this kind of clean diet happen when they're barely able to feed their family at all? I would say the first step is the most important step for anything that you would like to accomplish in your life, you know, whether it's the practice or whether it's figuring out your kids after school schedule, you have to have a plan. So start with a plan, right? And that's why I love your course because you get a mapped out plan. And in the introductory courses, you have a plan on, you know, how to start with whatever age level and developmental stage your kids are at. So you need to have a plan. It's not just all of a sudden going from eating out five days a week to, oh, we're going to cook every night because then you get home at six or six. Your kids are starving. You're starving. You start prepping. And then all of a sudden, 730, there's still no dinner on the table. Everyone's melting down. Right. And then you think, oh, just order a pizza. Right. So you need to have a plan. And that plan means sitting down maybe on Saturday or Sunday. I like Saturday, right? That you could sit down with your family, your kids, your spouse, your partner, whatever it is, and plan out the meals for the week, what you're going to cook at home, and then go grocery shopping and prep the next day. Right. Meal prep, I think, is really important. If you could get those vegetables chopped, I mean, that's the most tedious thing. I don't like chopping vegetables. So if I can get everything chopped, get my salad prepped, you know, get my vegetables prepped, you know, for the morning, get my fruit, you know, all washed and ready to go even make some sauces ahead of time, right? Then you go home and dinner can be whipped up in 20, 30 minutes, right? Not an hour, hour and a half. So have a plan and get your kids in the kitchen, right? Because they make prepping so much more fun and go faster, right? So That's true. They can actually be helpful even at age five, six, seven. Like I think we tend to think that age child cannot be yet truly helpful in the kitchen that they're just like, there for fun and learning and that's all good too but they can truly be helpful my seven-year-old just yesterday like wanted an apple for his snack at school and he said oh, i'll cut it and i was like all right <laughs> i think his sister taught him to cut it because i didn't even teach him that stuff oh, yeah. but he did great yeah that's great and you know we might think when we're busy oh i don't have time to have the kids in the kitchen it's just going to take even more time i have to watch them we're not going to get anything done then don't do it on a Tuesday night. <laughs> when you get home at six, do, it on, the do it on the weekends, right? And maybe start with brunch so that you have the time and you're relaxed because the time you invest in teaching your kids will pay off so much, you know, when they can actually make their own lunch and even make your own lunch, make lunch for you, right? So just taking that time. And then the other really, really, really important principles is, you know, whatever you don't want your kids to eat, don't have it in the house. Just keep it out right? Keep the temptation out. If you know that your child, every time they have, you know, something with a particular preservative in it, they just go crazy and hyper and tantruming and weepy, then don't have anything with that in the house. Because unfortunately, the sad fact is that we tend to crave the foods that are the worst for us. And in Mm -hmm. fact, food 
cravings are a big tip off that that's a food that you or your child is sensitive to and should not have. Right. So just keep it out of the house and make sure that all those healthy foods that you want are easily accessible, that those carrots and cucumbers are sliced and ready to go, that those snap peas are washed. Right. Those cherry tomatoes are washed in, in a bowl. Fruits are out. You have hummus easily available, guacamole, you know, black bean dip, whatever it is. But those healthy snacks, you know, have a dozen hard boiled eggs so your child can grab them. Right. And eat them after school. So you want to just have available what you would like your kids to have, what is healthy for them, what's serving their brains and their bodies and their immune systems and helping them thrive and just get out all the junk that you don't want them to have because they're going to get enough access to that junk when they're out of your house. So keep your house the healthy haven. Keep your house the healthy haven. That is the perfect advice right there. And we're going to get our kids in the kitchens. We're going to think about food. We're going to teach them about healthy fats and proteins and all that good satiating stuff. So, so good. Dr. Lisa Song, it's been a pleasure. Find her at healthykidshappykids.com and so much information. I keep taking notes of all the links that we need to include (laughs) whenever we share this interview. There's a lot. So tons of resources. Again, thank you so very much for reminding us that food is important, that food is the foundation of health, and that as parents, we've got to invest in what our kids are eating in order to invest in our kids' health. Dr. Lisa Song, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me, Katie. Thank you, thank you for listening to the interview. I hope your brain feels fed and your heart feels full. We are all parents on the same journey just trying to raise healthy, independent adults. Next time you think, man, there's no handbook for this job. Now there is. Look up the Healthy Parenting Handbook wherever you listen to your podcast. Please leave a review as that helps other people find the goodness that we share here. And of course, subscribe. You can also look for our shorts as a reel on Instagram at Kids Cook Real Food. Hit that heart and share those with your friends and subscribe to the Healthy Parenting Handbook shorts channel on YouTube.